You know, this becomes really scary when you hear the former governor of New York and the former mayor of New York City both say that 9-11 could happen again. Of course, uh, Kamala Harris has come out and said basically, oh, no, that's impossible, that the borders are secure, that America is secure, that there's nothing to worry about. And then she talks about how the economy is doing so great. And then we see new economic figures showing inflation at the highest rates ever since the Great Depression. Uh, this becomes somewhat worrisome. Million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? We have a secure border, in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. We also have to put in place. A, a a a law and a plan for a pathway for citizenship. That was the vice president there telling NBC's Chuck Todd that the border is secure. In a sit-down interview for Meet the Press, Kamala Harris was asked whether she was confident the southern border of the United States was secure, given that two million people crossed it for the first time ever this year. VP Harris said the US has a secure border and that's a priority for any nation, but there are still issues that need to be fixed. She then shot back with a snide remark about the deterioration about the last four years, insinuating that the Trump administration could be to blame. That's a pretty brave comment to make, considering during Trump's time in office, there were over 977,000 encounters throughout 2019 and 458,000 throughout 2020. But within 2021, under Biden, there was over 1.7 million, and already in 2022, there has been over 1.9 million. When the Biden administration came into power, VP Harris was named the border czar, meaning that she was in charge of figuring out what to do. She has copped intense criticism for the lack of press conferences on it and the fact that she's only visited the border once last year in El Paso. The situation at the border is one of the biggest issues facing the United States today. There are record amounts of illegal immigrants crossing it daily, some with previous criminal records. In fact, in May this year, Customs and Border Protection came across the largest number of migrants arrested or encountered at the southern border since 2000. Within the month, CBP encountered a record 240,000 migrants at the southwest land border. That is 60,000 more than in May last year and 100,000 more than in May 2019. In May 2020, there was only 23,000 encounters, which could be put down to the fact that the country was in a COVID lockdown. The comments from the vice president angered a lot of people online who do not believe the border is secure. One person wrote, shocking that her statement wasn't adequately questioned, yet another example of the media being nothing more than an arm of the D party. Another said, more lies straight to your face. Pack of lies, someone else wrote. Finally, they know they're lying, we know they're lying, they know that we know they're lying. What's the GOP going to do about it? This administration needs to be impeached. Fox News is the five discussed VP Harris's comments, including Chuck Todd's line of questioning. At some point, Kamala Harris loses all credibility, or do they just not care whether or not anyone really believes them? She's already lost credibility, and she doesn't care because Chuck Todd doesn't care. I have a beef with Chuck, so he's supposed to be this big, big deal. He's probably getting paid way too much 
This is the pristine premiere show on Sundays. Who was the old guy that used to do this show? Tim Russert. Now, he had chops. He would go after your throat if he thought you were a liar. His first question is, is the border secure? And you know what her answer was? Well, we have to pass amnesty. What? Yeah. Every person in Central America that sees that clip says, pack your bags, let's go north. They're giving out amnesty. And then his follow-up question, after she says it was secure, he goes, well, two million people crossed. And then she hems and haws and says, well, Trump broke the border. We're just fixing what Trump did. How does Chuck Todd not have any sort of follow-up question? How does Chuck Todd not ask about all the Democratic mayors that are complaining about a few dozen busloads of migrants? How does he not ask that question? It's one of the biggest stories in the country. And he goes, yeah, border secure. She's like, yeah, it's secure. He's like, yeah, it's secure. And it is getting worse and worse for many Americans. But the threat of potential terrorism by groups like the Islamic State uh, or the Iranian-backed terrorist organizations, such as Hamas or Hezbollah and others, engaging in acts here within the confines of these United States, particularly here in New York City, is a reality that you have to consider. Congressman, that's just not true, right? I mean, you're on the front line. You've spent your whole life in Laredo. The border is not secure, is it? The border is not secure, without due respect to the VP. Uh, this, look, we we get thousands of people along the border, you know, from six to 8,000 people a day. So you're talking about almost four plus, maybe 4.4 million individuals in two years. If you call that secure, I don't know what, uh, what secure it is. That was Texas Congressman Henry Kuehler there declaring that no, the border is not secure. Congressman Kuehler is a Democrat and being in Laredo, Texas means that he is at the forefront of what is happening at the southern border. He joined CNN where he said, with all due respect to Vice President Kamala Harris, what she said last week about the border being secure is just not right. Here's what the VP told NBC News last week. We have a secure border and that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. The situation at the border is one of the biggest issues facing the United States. What it means for states that border Mexico, like Texas, California, New Mexico and Arizona, is that thousands of illegal immigrants manage to cross their lines every single day. Henry Kulis says that they are seeing around six to 8,000 people a day at the border. It is a crisis. There's no other way to describe it. Last year, there was around 1.7 million encounters with illegal immigrants. So far in the 2022 fiscal year, there has been around 2 million encounters. Congressman Kuehler pointed out that those statistics don't even include the getaways of those who've actually made it into the country. So you can't exactly say that 4 million encounters in two years is secure. Now, the situation has angered Republican governors greatly who believe that Joe Biden's administration isn't doing enough. So much so that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sent 50 migrants by plane from Texas to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. That is a very upmarket wealthy holiday spot and was considered a political move from DeSantis. 
Governors had previously warned that they were prepared to send illegal immigrants to heavily Democrat cities to send some sort of message. The 50 migrants that ended up at Martha's Vineyard, a spot that even Obama owns a home at, stayed for a few days in a local church before they were taken to Joint Base Cape Cod. The Florida governor copped backlash for his actions, with some even accusing him of human trafficking. However, he claims that the illegal immigrants went there voluntarily. It's only when you have 50 illegal aliens end up in a very wealthy, rich sanctuary enclave that he decides to scramble on this. And so I think what we are doing... I think what we're continuing to do is use every tool at our disposal uh, to insulate the state of Florida uh, from the negative ramifications of his reckless border policies. So instead of scrambling and worrying about a bunch of rich people and having 50, and oh, by the way, they already bust them out. They're gone. They said, they said we want everyone, no one's illegal, and they're gone within 48 hours. Uh, and so why not actually look at what's going on? There were more Acela corporate journalists in Martha's Vineyard today than have ever gone down to the southern border to look what's going on. Why don't you go down there and look what some of those communities have to deal with every day? I covered the war on terrorism for 20 years. You know, I'm not just some flunky doing a podcast. I've been out there. I've seen what ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Jamaaz, Lamia, the Al-Hawakat, Al-Islamiyah have been able to do. All these different groups. And in fact, for a time, you know, federal investigators would come to me, uh, groups from from various uh, law enforcement organizations because of the coverages we did as journalists to try and figure out what they had, what kind of information they had, because, you know, every now and then these terrorist groups are essentially rebels with a, you know, cause that is warped to, to their view of what their religion is. Um, you know, whether it's extremist Wahhabism or, or some other uh, fringe group of Islam that they use to justify whatever actions they take. Uh, many of these people would call us up and engage in press conferences or at least send us DVDs, not DVDs, they would send us, uh, you know, uh, flash drives with the, you know, whatever they did, whatever latest action. And it was kind of sad to see all these things, you know. To this day, I still see the uh, faces of some of the people with many of those videos that I had to watch or log and look at and try and identify who the people were. Uh, that was a uh, strange period in life. Can you imagine part of your job is waking up in the morning and going and seeing, okay, who did they kill today? Who did these people mutilate today? What person was begging before the cameras? And you have to describe the scene and write it down and log it and then take what snippets of it are legally allowed to be shown on television and, and use those rather than the more gruesome scenes, which you generally had to watch. It's not a nice experience, okay? And uh, a lot of people in law enforcement didn't even watch the things I've seen, haven't seen. 
what I've seen over those years of working at ABS, CBN, and, and uh, other television networks overseas. Um, it was rough. It was rough. Even if you know, going out in the field and, and uh, when when they would recover the uh, bodies, or going out on military operations uh, and knowing that if you got separated from the group you were with, hey, you're going to be the next one in the YouTube video. That was not a pleasant experience to be in. Or having them call you and say that, oh, you know, they were outside your home, or the building you lived in, or the apartment building, or whatever. Knowing that anytime, anywhere, any place you were walking, they could come up to you and do whatever they wanted to. Essentially, sometimes they would just come up and drop you a note, which you, you know, carefully handled to make sure no fingerprints would get on it. They report it as part of the news, of course, maintaining whatever legal requirements are there from like the Patriot Act or. Anti-terrorism laws of different countries, where you have to preserve these things and, and get them properly. But that's uh, another story for another time. So for now, let's think about it. If the former governor of the state of New York, if George Pataki, says that there is a risk, then it's something worth listening to. Let's listen to George Pataki. He was. I think it was uh, September 9 uh, when he came on with uh, Sid Rosenberg on the Bernie and Sid show on WABC. So let's listen to uh, former Governor Pataki on that particular topic. Teens use Instagram to explore and connect. That's why we build features that can help teens see less sensitive content, interact in positive ways, and spend time on Instagram intentionally. And tools that help parents support them in building a safe Instagram experience. Because we're committed to building a community where everyone feels supported. Explore more than 30 tools that can help teens have a positive experience on Instagram at Instagram.com slash safety. Whenever we get near that event, it's just such a horrible day for for all of us who were there and all of us who knew some of the thousands who were murdered on that day. And Sid, I got to say, with what's happening at our border, I fear this is going to happen again. We know over two million illegals have crossed the southern border. They're not all people coming for work. We know there are terrorists. We know there are people on the watch list. We know there are people who have been smuggled across with one goal to attack America. So I think this president is failing. You know, I meant to say this to Mark Levin last night when I was on his show. Look at our team back then. Joe Esposito, Bernie Carrick, Rudy Giuliani, the voice you just heard there, Governor Pataki. And look at the imbeciles we've got running the city and state right now. Could you imagine, God forbid, 9-11 with Eric Adams, Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul? De Blasio. Oh, de Blasio. oh my God. <laughs> he wouldn't even show up Oh my, time. He wouldn't. No, he'd be like, oh, I'm kind of tired <laughs> today. Uh, I'm at the gym. That anyway. Uh, but thank God we had somebody like Governor Pataki who was a, a tremendous governor, he's even a better guy. He made those comments with me on this show about two weeks ago. So with that said, Governor Pataki, you've got a chance now to take those words back or double down. Which way are you going to go? Hey, C, 
said, uh, you know me well enough. I'm not going to take this back. I happen to think it's true. I th- happen to think that it's a question of when a terrorist who's come across the Mexican border illegally will attack us, not if. Uh, and it's just tragic that, uh, you know, as we approach that horrible day, so many people appear to have forgotten the meaning of that day. And, uh, you know, also look at Afghanistan. What a catastrophe, the withdrawal there. And we know that al-Qaeda has surfaced again. And uh, that's where the attacks came from, September 11th. So I just uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I fear that uh, our government uh, in Washington has lost sight of what is necessary to protect the American people. I couldn't agree more. But the more people I talk to, they go, listen, 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 Pataki's right. You're right. Bodino's right. But it'll never be the scale of what that day was. They're not going to be able to get planes, kill 3,000 people. Can one guy go berserk on West Street? Sure. Can a guy with a gun walk into a, a, a boat? Sure. But there seems to be this thought, uh, the consensus, really, George, that a, a wide-scale a, a attack like 9-11 could never happen again. Is that true? Uh, No, of course it's not true. You know, uh, we don't know. We did not know how the attacks were going to occur on September 11th. Nobody anticipated that they could seize three planes, uh, um, just commercial flights, and use them as such horrible weapons. And, uh, you know, when you have an evil mind and you have one thing in mind, and that's killing people you think uh, don't deserve to live on this planet, uh, you can be very creative, and that's tragic. And, of course, I hope it doesn't happen. But even if it's a limited thing where someone gets uh, a weapon and kills 11, 12, 15 people, do we want that to happen? No. You know, are we just going to say, oh, thank God it wasn't 3,000 this time? No. I mean, it's just a a ridiculous way of thinking that, oh, we're only going to have a few people killed instead of a lot. Right. One person is too many. And, you know, Sid, that brings me to New York with crime. You know, what is going on? They're just not realizing the, the horrible consequences of turning criminals loose on the street and not keeping them away from the people. And, uh, you know, oh, there's only X number of murders in New York City this year. Well, one is too many. And, uh, and you know, just thinking back, you know, of the, the loss of the families, the grief of the families who lost, lost their husband or daughter, um, and you see it now with crime. Uh, and I just don't understand the failure of our political leadership to react Tell me about that morning, though. Sunday again commemorates 21 years since that fateful day. I know sometimes it's a uh, it's a lousy memory, but it needs to be recounted, especially this morning. You wake up that day, Governor Pataki. It's a beautiful Tuesday morning. The Giants lost Monday Night Football the night before. You're expecting an ordinary day, and then all hell breaks loose. What were you doing when that first plane hit? You know, actually, I was in the city, and I almost never stayed in the city, but I did the night before. Uh, and my daughter got me on the phone. She was working at Bloomberg News and said, Dad, a plane hit the towers. Turn on the TV. So I turned on the TV, and I was talking with her and saying, my God, I don't know how it happened. It had to be a horrible accident. And then I saw the second plane hit, and immediate, immediately I knew you know, this was an attack. This was not just a, another random pilot losing control. Uh, and what I had to do is what leaders have to do in a time of crisis, and that's uh, act quickly and do everything you can to try to protect us going forward. You know, the urban legend, George, is that back then you and Rudy didn't exactly see eye to eye. You're not the best of friends. But uh, because you're both adults, great men, like you said, great leaders, with this epic tragedy hitting New York, you guys decided, hey, it's really time to work together. Was that overstated, understated? What was the real relationship? That's that's pretty accurate. You know, that uh, 
uh, particularly among the staff level. Uh, you know, you see it all the time. The mayor and the governor always have competing agendas, and certainly Rudy and I had competing agendas. And we got along personally, but our staffs were always at each other's throat. <laughs> uh, and, and But on that morning, I just said to myself, you know, this is a, a crisis of the magnitude I've never seen in my lifetime, probably our greatest since Pearl Harbor. And we can't have the political leadership pointing fingers or arguing. We have to work together seamlessly. And that day, the most important decision I made in 12, 12 years was uh, I talked to Rudy first thing in the morning. And then that afternoon he called and said he'd set up the temporary command for the city at the old police academy. And I thought for a minute, and I said I'd be right there. And I brought my entire team down. And from the afternoon of September 11th, for months thereafter, my team, Rudy's team, we were in the same room at the same table so that it was never, well, I thought you were going to do this or you were supposed to do that. We knew exactly what the responsibilities were. And you think back at Katrina where the feds were blaming the state, the state was blaming the city, the city was blaming the feds. I knew we couldn't have any of that on September 11th, and we didn't. And I'm proud of the way that we worked so well together, all levels of government. Oh, as you should be, by the way. You guys were amazing. Thank God you guys were in charge back then. You know, uh, George, so many people tell me that we're down there when the planes hit. They said you could, you know, the sound of the plane hitting was brutal, and the sound of the building burning was brutal. And suddenly when the buildings came down. But everybody said the same thing to me. If you were down there at the time of the tragedy... The thumps that you heard from people that decided to die by jumping out of the building rather than burn to death on the 90th floor, they still can hear those thumps today, 21 years later. You feel the same? You know, I can still see the image, and I know one of my close friends is one of those who was forced to jump. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, you know, Neil Levin, who was head of the Port Authority, who was... At windows on the world that morning, and you know I think of them all the time, not just uh, around September 11th. And you know I'm not alone. There are thousands of us who were there, or who witnessed this, or had close friends or family members who died that day. And you never forget it, and it gives you a resolve that we have to do everything in our power to protect ourselves so it doesn't happen again. What about the FBI? They've come into such fire now lately, of course, and all the Donald Trump stuff, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, uh, all the other nonsense. I go back to, to how many attacks they probably thwarted over the last 21 years. Is that worth mentioning in their favor? Absolutely. There's no question. You know, we have tens of thousands of wonderful patriotic Americans who work in the FBI, uh, and they literally put their lives on the line to protect us. And uh, we have to be extremely proud of them and grateful for them. But that doesn't mean that the political appointees at the top uh, are above reproach. And sadly, I think we've just seen too many cases where uh, people at the top, political appointees, have been involved in in partisan politics as opposed to protecting the American people. But we can't lose sight of the fact that the overwhelming majority of those people who risk their lives in the FBI for us are patriotic Americans we can be proud of. And the cops, too. I mean, George, you think about all the abuse that our police officers go through, especially in this city, but across the country. Even Eric Adams has a lousy job of protecting his own people. And, and you know, George, at that day, knowing the buildings were coming down, they knew it. They still ran upstairs. What does that tell you? 
Yeah, it just tells you the tremendous courage. And, you know, they take an oath to risk their lives and too often lose their lives to protect us. And they honor that oath. And now we see them treated uh, uh, beneath uh, human dignity and and nothing happens. And uh, I just wish I had the ability in some way to affect the leadership and tell them, you can't tolerate this. We need great police. You know, you can pass all the laws you want, but unless you have a police officer out there willing to risk his life or her life, uh, to enforce that law doesn't mean a thing. Uh, and, and sadly, we just don't see political leaders standing behind our police the way they must. I saw Lee Zeldin on Sunday, Governor Pataki, with President Trump. And the lead, according to Trafalgar, is down to four points. How do you feel today about Lee Zeldin's chances of beating Kathy Hochul? You know, I think a majority of New Yorkers understand that this state is headed in the wrong direction. Uh, And whenever that's the case, you know, you have a desire for change and you have a chance to get people to take a look. But, you know, Sid, I don't mean to be a bad guy, but as I talk (laughs) around September 11th, uh, I try not to get mixed politics with that day, because one of the things that I remember from that day, that there was no politics. There were, weren't Republicans or Democrats. We were all New Yorkers. We were all Americans. And uh, if there's one thing I wish we could recapture is that sense of unity, the sense that we're all in it together, that we had so strongly after those hideous attacks, and we've lost today. So, so you know, I'm involved in politics. I'm a politician has spent my life. But when it comes to September 11th, you know, I try to separate the two because I want us to think back on how we came together yeah. and try to do it again. It was beautiful. For like two or three weeks, it was beautiful. Then I went back to uh, the old uh, the angry. You know, but it was beautiful, it, George. It You're right. It lasted longer than that. It lasted longer <laughs> than that. Uh, but, but, you know, but sadly, as, as united as we are, we were then. We're more divided today, we and that's just tragic. You're right. Well, listen, you are a uh, treasure. You are a great governor. You're a super guy. You know how much I love you. Thank you for joining me this morning, recounting that awful, awful day. You be well. We'll talk again very, very soon. Thank you, George. Thank you, Sid. Great being on with you. You Take too. Care. There he is, the great governor, the great governor, George Pataki. Thank God we had adults in charge that day. Again, Joe Esposito, Bernie Kerrick, Rudy Giuliani. Governor Pataki, de Blasio, Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul, 3,000 dead. We'd all be dead. All of us. Thank God for you, Governor Pataki. Hey, some flashbacks there, courtesy of Bernie Sid was the last one with uh, governor, former governor of New York, uh, George Pataki, who was governor at the time of 9-11 here. We're going to get into more details with him and uh, what he discussed with uh, Sid Rosenberg uh, on the Birdie of Sid show. Uh, That was from September 9th. It was a bit bit back, uh, about 12 days ago right now. Um, And, uh, you know, a little less than two weeks ago, but it's still relevant. It's still relevant to what is happening now because, you know, uh, it is sad to say that the United States has a vice president who is the border czar, as reported earlier there by... Sky News Australia. Sky Australia has pretty good coverage on the United States, actually. And we put in a clip from them earlier. Um, and uh, they, 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 they were talking about how the Democrats are just out of it. They kind of lost it when it comes to the issue of the border. And then, of course, we have a Texas congressman 
who was asked plainly, if Kamala Harris is right, is the border secure? And he basically said, hell no, you know, it's not. And uh, that's just basically what's going on in the world today. I'm Mike of New York. We'll be back with more. We're also looking at other events here in the city at the United Nations General Assembly. We'll be back with more with that. That's all for me for now. I'm Mike of New York. Mike K. Cullen. Enjoy your day.